Good morning on this Wednesday morning. Welcome to our devotional, Golden Nuggets, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. As we've been talking about conscience and the work of Christ in shedding his blood, his death, burial, and resurrection, a change in the priesthood, becoming a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, and there having been a change in the law, now the blood of animals that were sacrificed, even though they could cover for the sins of a person, they could never wash away his conscience. But the blood of Jesus is so powerful, so awesome and great, that it able to not only forgive and cover our sins, but wipe them away forever, and at the same time clear the conscience of the individual that comes to him. As we had been reading in the book of Genesis concerning Cain killing Abel and how his conscience was talking to him, telling him that sin was at the door, he refused to obey and instead follows his path, his own works. He decided that he no longer needed to bring blood sacrifices. That means that his conscience no longer was at the point where it was... uh, Uh, dependent upon God for mercy, for grace, or for for whatever was needed. And he wound up just bringing nothing but the sacrifices of the earth. Well, we saw that the end result was that Cain kills Abel. And then the Lord asked him, where's your brother? And when he asked him, where's your brother? He's He said, am I my brother's keeper? And of course, the rest of the story being that he fell under such condemnation that his guilt was more than he could possibly bear. He goes on to say that his punishment was greater than could possibly be bared. And then it says in Genesis 4.13, in concluding with, with Cain and Abel, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Today, as we look at Ahab and Jezebel, once again, let's look at the function of conscience. How when the word of God comes, how when one hears the word of God, it seems to activate conscience and stir it up. Whereas it may be lying dead or seared or covered, uh, ignored, defiled and evil and wicked, Uh, At the time, when the Word of God comes, it has a way of, as it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, because the Word of God is alive, it's living, it's quick. That's the definition that is given in the Scripture. It is alive. The Word of God is living, living as the fresh breath of God spoken, as one hears it in his or her heart as the breath of God spoken into our lives, when one believes what has been said. It says, for the word of God is quick. That means it's alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of the soul and spirit. That means that the soul and the spirit are connected so finely 
that the only way you can distinguish one from the other is by the word of God. And it is not only dividing the spirit and the soul asunder, but also the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So somehow you can see here that the word of God is connected to conscience when it is heard or when it is spoken. Uh, it seems to either revive or engage into gear the conscience and one is aware of something. According to Hebrews 4 verse 13, it says, Neither is there any creature that is manifest." Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him whom we have to do. So the word of God, when it comes into our lives or when we come into contact with it, it seems to once again, it opens up, it clarifies in one if his or her conscience is able to receive it and awaken it. We can either respond with rebellion and anger and fury, or we can re ignore it, uh, or we can obey it. And here is an example of someone obeying the conscience after they hear the word. In 1 Kings in chapter 21, verse 19 onward, it says, Thou shalt speak unto him, meaning Ahab, one of the kings of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord, Thou hast killed and also taken possession. Thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, In the place where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth, shall the dogs lick thy blood, even thine. Now, he was told, the prophet was told, to go and tell uh, Ahab and Jezebel concerning what they had done. They had taken an innocent man's possessions. They had lied. They had fabricated a falsehood against him. The people of the city had stoned him. They had killed him. And uh, Jezebel and Jezebel came and took possession of the of the vineyard that he had to give to her husband Ahab. But she got it through the process of murder, to killing, through killing someone. It didn't bother her one bit uh, in all her wickedness that she did, all the, all the things that she was doing. It didn't bother her at all. Then it says in verse 20, And Ahab said unto Elijah, Thou hast found me, O mine enemy. And he said, I have found thee because thou hast sold yourself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. And remember, to work evil, the conscience has to be silenced or put aside to be able to do that which is wrong. And it says, and Ahab <clears throat> and, and uh, Jezebel also spoke. And of Jezebel also spoke the Lord, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Jezreel. Now, 
stop and think about that. The dogs, nobody buried the man. They left him out there and the dogs ate him, licked his blood. And uh, the same thing was going to happen to Jezebel. Judgment was at the door at this point. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all things, as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. If you remember, and having studied, in the book of Genesis, God had told Abraham in Genesis 15 that uh, when the fullness of the Amorites was come, that then the children of Israel would come out of Egypt. God would have dealt with them. They had reached the place also where their wickedness had reached its pinnacle and they needed to be dealt with. In 1 Kings 21, 27 now, it says, And it came to pass, when Ahab heard these words, that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. Now, notice, having heard the words of the prophet, he repented, he turned to the Lord. Adam and Eve heard the word of the Lord in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, and they hid themselves. They were afraid. And uh, of course, you know, we concluded that God had said, hey, did you eat of the tree that you were prohibited from eating? Adam's response, it's the woman's fault that you gave me. The woman said, it's the serpent's fault that beguiled me. But right here, this man, Ahab, that had done so much wrong to Israel, it came to pass when he heard these words. Remember, the word of God is alive. It is quick. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It can separate exactly what is intention and what is thought. And he heard these things and he rent his clothes and he put on sackcloth upon his flesh, and he fasted, and he laid in sackcloth, and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his day, but in his son's days, Will I bring evil upon his house? So just from looking at the simplicity of this story, we see that the word of God is connected to our conscience, especially in hearing something. Now, during the time of the fall of Adam and Eve, Whatever Adam and Eve had learned from God, they had to pass on to their children. That means whatever God had taught them, whatever God had uh, showed them, and that was going to have to last because uh, there was nobody to teach them. But then there came Enoch, and whatever he received from God was so powerful, was so great, 
that he turned completely to God and walked with God for the rest of the years of his life here on earth until the Lord took him alive up into heaven. And then man continued once again, uh, living through his conscience, living through whatever means that the conscience could guide him, but the conscience being polluted, defiled, uh, being turned uh, into wickedness and evil, it reached the point where God had to come down and say the, uh, the, 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 the actions of man are evil, they're wicked daily. And uh, then, of course, we know the story. The flood came. Now, it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, as I, I wrap it up with just this verse, it says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. Somehow, down deep in man, they know, mankind, that one day we will have to stand before God, whether it's at the great white throne judgment or at the Bema judgment of Christ himself as a believer or as a sinner. And uh, there is this lack of confidence that takes place when our life is still walking in sin and has the confidence that uh, uh, we're all right, you know, we're excused. But yet down deep within, there is a confidence that it knows it's going to be judged. We know we're going to be judged. We just don't know how to change our actions. That's where the work of Christ comes in. But for the believer, as we walk in love, we are made perfect. Love is made perfect so that when we walk in love, we have boldness to come before God in fellowship and in prayer. And so that when the day of judgment comes, we know that we have done what we were required of us to do so that uh, we wind up at the point where we are bold. And of course, boldness is required of us here on this earth. When we come to the throne of grace, boldness is required as we come and have fellowship with the Father, as we have fellowship with the Son, as we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. But if not, and if we fail in that area, and we'll pick up here tomorrow, then where there is no fear, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Consider this, food for thought and for the imagination. Are we walking in the love of God towards him and towards our neighbor? When we are and when we do, fear seems to be pushed aside and we don't lack confidence and boldness. We don't lack the faith that is necessary to live up to the standard that God requires of us. Walking in the Spirit, walking by faith, walking by his word. Consider this food for thought and for the imagination. The Lord richly and fully bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.